Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, everybody. I'm Billy. I'm Topher. And this is We Watched a Thing, because we watched a thing. How are you doing this week? I'm good, yeah. Just had a sandwich. Uh, one sandwich? Just, just had two sandwiches? <laughs> yes, you had the Topher special, as they call it down at the cafe. Oh, do they? <laughs> uh, we did do a recording on another podcast this week. We did. It was a lot of fun. It was heaps of fun. It was heaps of fun. We were on Cinematic Respect talking about the 1970s sci-fi Solaris. 1970s. D- didn't I say that? I thought you said 70. No, 19, was like, it was 72, I believe, if yeah, you want to get like, specific like, about mate, it. What are you talking about? Uh, 1970. I, I believe that'll drop Friday after next. Friday week, you might say. Yeah, Friday week. Uh, so we'll put a link to that on our brand new website, wewatchathing.com, if you want to check that out, or you can find them at cinematicrespect.com. Speaking of watching things. Yeah, what did we watch this week, mate? We saw Red Sparrow. Yeah, we did. We did. I was pumped. <laughs> I know you were. This was, I've been, um, we kind of decided a couple of weeks ago that we were going to do this one and you have not been enthused. No, I was, because like every movie I was going to, I was getting a trailer for Red Sparrow and I thought the trailer was just, oh man, so underwhelming. First up, was this at all the movie you thought you were going to watch when you went into that cinema? Only because I'd seen the headline of another review, which I didn't, I, I don't tend to read reviews before I've seen a movie but i'd seen a headline of review that said that this is actually more tinker tail soldier spy than it is 007 this took me way off guard i thought i was walking into like a kind of bond type thing but i was expecting that to be kind of disneyfied even i guess just because all the comparisons you've seen between this and black widow i was like all right we're gonna get some kind of marvel meets james bond type yeah outing. And of all the marketing i've seen that's absolutely what they were selling yeah this this was you didn't get to atomic blonde did you I this didn't. was way closer to atomic blonde than it was to to bond really it's it's far more of a thriller than it is an action film yeah yeah it is and not only that it's dark it's gritty it's not I, at all what I was expecting. I feel like it's almost dark. I think the mo- as far as the movies exist, I think that it's convinced that it's fairly unflinching. I don't think it is. Yeah, no, it's funny. It's uh, I feel like um, the content is darker than the subject, if that makes sense. And I guess maybe if I had looked at the classification for this film, then I might have had more of an idea of what we were getting, but... I don't even look at classifications anymore because I'm over 15, so why bother? <laughs> like, Because in the States, this movie has a hard R rating, but we don't use the MPAA here. So that means, what we have here is this movie is MA, which means that anyone over 15 can see it by themselves and anyone under 15 can see it with a Guardian. And that's really like this kind of catch-all rating where a ton of action movies sit. So even if I had seen that it was rated that, I don't know if I would have expected the kind of content we ended up getting. So tell us a bit about what the film's about, Billy. All right, so the movie follows Dominika, who is a Russian prima ballerina, dances in the Bolshoi, uh, until her leg is demolished on stage. Messed right up. In the most unrealistic leg demolishment I've ever seen. I don't know a lot about ballerinas, but I don't (laughs) generally think of them as being particularly clumsy people. No. And that's how it comes about. Yeah, which later you find out, which in a completely irrelevant plot point, you find out was done on purpose so that the guy's girlfriend or something... So irrelevant. It never comes back. It's... 
totally irrelevant. Anyway, it was done on purpose. So she's beyond the point of dancing again is what's yeah. implied. She can she can move around fine, but she no longer has the requisite bone yeah. structure to be a ballerina. So her uncle, who is in the Russian... The Secret Service, I guess. Yeah, the, the Russian... He's a Russian intelligence officer. He basically recruits her to be a prostitute of sorts for the Russian intelligence. Yeah, we go from there in this crazy elaborate plot. He's a dud relative. Oh, mate, as far as dud relatives go, he's way off the board. (laughs) So it's based on, I didn't know this before saying it, it is based off a book by a former CIA agent, and it's the first in a trilogy, isn't it, I think? It is the first in a trilogy. Do you expect that we'll be getting the other two films? Uh, I haven't checked Box Office Mojo, and that is what will be the deciding factor. Yeah, I I agree. And given early uh, reviews and stuff, I don't expect we will be seeing the other two. It took a while because he'd sold the rights to the book before the book came out. Oh, okay. I didn't actually know that, but I guess that makes total sense. I was looking at his AMA on Reddit before, and I don't think that the third one has actually come out yet. I think he's still writing it, and it maybe comes out in uh, in about a month or so. So, yeah, geez, I guess he works fast. I guess that makes sense if, um, you know, if he sold the rights to this before it was even written. Uh, and then the film took... Uh, a few years to kind of get off the ground. At one point, apparently, David Fincher and Rooney Mara were attached to it. Wow, I feel like that would have been a completely different film. I wish I didn't know, because now I want to see that film. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I think the thing for me is that I just had no idea what I was walking into. I didn't... I mean, the movie is full of ultraviolence, nudity, sex, torture, and at times all those things together. Like, that first scene where she's raped that took me way off guard yeah i i must say i was expecting something to happen before that scene got to the point of sexual assault same i didn't think we were going to get that far yeah even when that happened i still wasn't expecting what we ended up getting when she then goes to sparrow school i mean that's like that's sex school (laughs) like the majority of her training is stuff like okay, class, everybody's going to sit down and watch a porn at their computers. Or, you know, like you two, you come up the front of the class and strip totally and completely naked. Like, there's no spy stuff here. There's no Q-type figure from the Bond universe being like, okay, class, this is how you check your spy watches and these are the kind of intelligences that we're hoping to gather. It's just like, oh, yeah, this is how you blow a dude. Like, yeah. I thought she was going to be trained to be a spy, not but that that's not The school of uncomfort. Yeah. And, okay, here's the thing. With, with what I was saying earlier with the film being almost unflinching, the whole school sequence for me fits into that basket where they're telling people, you have to be able to go to these lengths, you have to be willing to do this and that. But no one ever actually does. Yeah, that is, that is a good point. Like, yeah. it never... It's like, And I find that weird, have, given that before this, you've already seen our main character get raped. Yeah. And from then, they're like, oh, no, look, we won't make you watch this. And that school sequence is very, very long. Uh, like, this is a long movie. This is two and a half hours. And I'd say that probably the first hour is setting up, you know, we've got the ballet backstory and then we're at school before there's even any, before you're really introduced to Joel Edgerton as a character, a lot of it is setting up that kind of, this is the training you go through. And yet you're right, it never really progresses. The good thing about the school sequence is that we get Charlotte Rampling. Uh, She's amazing. Who's great. Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, the acting in this film was better than I expected. Um, I'm not a huge J-Law fan. Uh, I think when she's good, she's very, very good. But I don't see her name and think, oh, this is going to be a good movie. Um, I'm kind of like, I actually really do rate Jennifer Lawrence, but there's plenty of Jennifer Lawrence films that don't necessarily do it for me. Like American Hustle, I wasn't into at all, but I thought she was absolutely fantastic in. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, like uh, like Mother, for example, I think it was probably the first thing I've seen where I was really like, wow, she's amazing. Um, but yeah, she's because she, I have seen in the past where I feel like she's maybe phoned it in just a little bit. X-Men, anyone? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I thought she was very, very good. I thought Joel Edgerton was great. And yeah, Charlotte Rampling, I think, was the star of this show. Yeah, and it was I liked the um, in the, the grumpy old men scenes because I, I, I really like Kieran Hines. And it was great to see him not being a computer game villain like in Justice League. Um, and the the always fantastic Jeremy Irons. He was great. Like, if you could have anyone's voice on Earth, yeah. Jeremy Irons would be so far up the list. That's the thing. He's probably the one actor whose accent really slips, but you don't care because yeah, I who just cares? love his voice. <laughs> just keep talking, Jeremy. I, I, I mean, I'm not Russian, but I was surprised at how well J-Law did hold her, her Russian accent through the film. Yeah, I don't know how to comment on that because how would I know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually, like you mentioned, friend of the podcast, Australian Joel Edgerton. I'm a total fan of Joel Edgerton. Love like him, yeah. as a Both as a, but in front of the camera and behind it. Maybe the least I've liked Joel Edgerton. I think that makes film. sense. I think he's good in it, but it's it's he's and of p- no consequence to the film. Part of that is the fact that the character is just a bit nothing. Yeah, that's what I kind of mean by of no consequence. Like it's funny given that he is one of the main characters in this film and arguably the main plot point in some ways is their relationship. I kind of feel like this film would be exactly the same if his character was not there. Yeah. So, like we said, the first hour is almost Sparrow School, and then she's taken out of Sparrow School, even though she keeps failing everything. (laughs) Um, She's taken out and given this special assignment. This plot is way convoluted. I I feel like like I shouldn't feel as dumb as I did watching this movie, because this isn't a smart movie. But I spent a lot of time going, wait, why is this happening? Did you have the same experience? Not really. The only thing that was that I thought it was really posing that I didn't know for certain was whether she was... I never thought that she was on her home country's side. I thought the only thing to really figure out, is she on her side or is she defecting? Yeah, I, I never really felt a sense of cat and mouse game between her and Joel Edgerton, though, which I don't know if you're supposed to feel because, mm. like we said, there's there's kind of nothing there, really. Like, there's a lot of stuff in this movie, but it doesn't do anything because I feel like you're maybe meant to think that there's a cat and mouse thing going on there. Yeah, and for me that falls on the lack of strength of the character of Nash, who is just like, dude, you're a CIA agent. Don't just fall head over heels and assume that she's on your side. Yeah, but it's like, are we supposed to think that that's a a game from his end? Because I really didn't. I just felt straight away like he was in love with her and... I was like, dude, maybe. Just double check. Yeah, yeah, just think about it, mate. <laughs> and he's got like the the his unlikable coworker. He's like, dude, she's probably playing you. And you're like, yeah, I'm I'm sorry, Joel, but I'm with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you notice that the um when earlier on in the film when Nash gets sent back to DC, there's a guy in the briefing room who, as soon as I heard his voice, I was like, oh, where do I know that actor from? He's only in those scenes, and it didn't take me long. I was like, oh, wow, it's the head of security from The Phantom Menace. (laughs) You have a far better memory than I do, my friend, because I did not pick that up at all. When you've spent enough hours doing a a geeky fan edit of the Star Wars prequels as I have, (laughs) you get to the point where... (laughs) Which is the best way to watch the movie, by the way, is your edit. (laughs) You're too kind, sir. Um, Yeah, I just felt like the plot itself was very overly 
convoluted because there was a lot of this very strange back and forth between her and Joel Edgerton where, like I said, I feel like he's supposed to think there's more going on than there is. And then there's this whole side plot with Mary Louise Parker's character, who she, again, was was great in this movie because she's Mary Louise Parker. Mary she's going to be great in everything. Um, so she plays this chief of staff for a US senator who has agreed to, I guess, sell information uh, to the Russians. But I'm sorry, floppy disks? Are floppy disks a thing? So- Okay, when was the film set? That's what I was going to say, because when that scene came up, I was like, maybe this is set in the past. So I tried to Google. The only thing I can find out is that the book was written in 2013, but, the, but that doesn't mean the book is set in 2013. And there are cell phones rampant all over the place. And I don't think cell phones and floppy disks ever overcrossed. They would have. They would have, but geez, not, not the by kind much. of cell phones they're using. Though. Yeah, like they, okay, there were you know that that Nokia that everyone had. Yeah, that existed in the in the days of floppy disks. Yeah, but you don't need to go much past that phone until no, until floppy disks are well dead. Yes, yeah, because that was, that just took me completely out. There are a couple of things like that, just weird choices, you know. Like there's that whole thing where her and Joel Edgerton kind of first connect and he's like okay here's what you're gonna do you're gonna go back to your apartment you're gonna act like everything's normal i want you to do this and this and this and then wait for my signal signal is literally a phone call <laughs> what kind of signal is that i suppose like, just say oh mate i'll give you a ring <laughs> it could have been worse he could have actually put the sparrow symbol in the sky <laughs> like a bat <laughs> signal but it's like if you're trying to be conspicuous is a phone call really what we would call yeah. a signal wait for my cia level <laughs> signal yeah. Hey, <laughs> want to escape? <laughs> when we do go into a bunch of other little kind of sidetracky subplots throughout the film, like the bank account in Vienna, because as you said before, she kind of like she didn't pass spy school. No. She just got sent out into 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 spy land. But again, spy school wasn't even spy school. No, no, it was do things that you don't want to do except <laughs> don't actually have to do school. Um, so Jennifer Lawrence's character is doing all these things on a kind of, you know, a bit Jason Bourne-y, really. And you're like, hang on, she's a ballerina who didn't pass spy school. And hell, maybe she's just smart enough to be doing all this stuff and setting up, you know, high level operatives. Look, that could happen. It's a stretch. And then you've got two central intelligence agencies fighting over the recruitment of this crippled ballerina. Yeah, they're both really keen on this spy school dropout. They're sick for her, mate. Now, having said that, like the stuff that I've that I've got issues with the film, plot wise, character wise, whatever, they're not glaring things. For I was going to it, say it's kind of just like, yeah, that's kind of. Mm. There's a bunch of stuff that I like. I'm exactly the same. This the, the issues are much smaller than I was expecting walking in. This was a totally different film and a totally different experience. I thought this movie was going to be very, very, very bad. And instead, it's... I don't even know how I feel about it yet. It's, it's middle ground to above middle ground. It's not a terrible movie. There were a lot of things I liked about it. And one thing I think they do do well is even though the characters are a bit all over the place... I think as far as Dominica, our hero, essentially goes, you do feel and care for her and you do actually, unlike some other films, feel that there is a threat to her. You're not convinced the entire time that she's going to be okay and get out of it. I was. You were? Yeah. I don't know. I quite enjoyed that. I was, yeah, I thought there was concern for other characters that they would get found out and things would happen to them. Did you have any thoughts on the camera work or cinematography in this film? 
I liked the look of it. Yeah, I was really surprised by the use of very, very, very wide lenses to the point where the lens distortion was very prominent. In shots that aren't even that wide, they've clearly made the choice to use a wide lens, even though the shot's that not that wide, so they get that distortion, which I guess does give it a kind of um, a certain feel to it. And there's a, in ter- you know, in terms of the colour palette, there's this very, which whenever a film, it's a tried and tested thing to do for film set in Eastern Europe, but there is a very mm. muted look. Yeah, everything's very feel. bleak. Yeah, it's, you for know, sure. Very cl- like, you don't even know whether it's winter or whether yeah. that's just, this is Russia, it's always yeah. bleak. <laughs> which, yeah, we've, we've seen it before, but there's a reason people keep doing it. Yeah. Like I said, I did find the content in this movie surprise. How often do you think it is that you see full trunk? Certainly in American films, not often. Yeah, pretty rare. I was surprised by... Brits are okay with it. Yeah, They'll Brits, get it out. They got like Monty flopping, Python, they yeah. flop it out for any obligation. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, was, I was surprised at the amount of nudity and violence in the film. Uh, like the torture scenes, I found pretty kind of hard to watch almost. Oh, see, I, for me, the torture scene was pretty... There are a couple. There are multiple torture scenes. For yeah. instance, the one later on in the film uh, the where they're torturing joel edgerton yes yeah that was one where i was like i feel like this scene wants to be really hardcore but yeah, actually because we're not actually seeing anything you never actually see his body no you don't even see the aftermath of no it. so yeah i agree with you there that was one scene that where i i was actually watching that going why aren't we seeing that mm. because i feel like that's the kind of movie that they're trying to sell in some ways you know and it's strange too because then the scene immediately following that this gigantic knife fight where they're slashing each other constantly and there's blood everywhere and they really don't hold back on that scene you know so it's very strange that there are these scenes in this film like the knife fight or the rape scene where they don't hold back that it really does make you question those other scenes you know why why aren't you showing this if you're trying to be dark and there's another one involving jennifer lawrence where like, there's one really savage hit to her, but actually we cut at the time of impact mm. rather than rather than being, like, with, you know, some of the earlier scenes, with the, with the rape scene, for instance, where yeah. it's like, you're going to have to watch this. And then I was surprised. I mean, it's, it's funny because you had already seen the nudity, but then later on when they do make her strip in Spy School and there's that whole, you know, where she's trying to intimidate that guy. Uh, yeah, I was surprised at how long that went for and how much was shown. Uh, like it didn't but like nudity doesn't bother me it's just not what i was expecting from this movie you know like i almost feel like this movie is supposed to be saying something possibly about sexual violence and the objectification of women but the movie spends so long objectifying women and focusing on sexual violence that i feel like if that is something they're meant to be trying to say that's totally lost i didn't think it was so much a comment on it as trying to show the reality of it if this is how spy school works in any way it's like, all right, you know, here's something you may not have seen before. This really is what people have to go through and be willing to do. And I guess that does pose the question as to how much of this movie is based on fact, because I, I have no idea. I don't know. Is Shockingly. <laughs> Once again, I know shit all. You can kind of make the assumption that there's truth in there because it's written by a former operative, but it could just be a former operative who was like, okay, I can think of a fun story. Yeah, I can, write, could, a fantasy you know, I can write a fun story. <laughs> yeah. Because movies these days tend to really tout that around a bit, you know, like if it, if it is based on, like, I have not seen, or I don't remember seeing in this film, you know, the, the words based on a true story or, or even based on a book. I don't, it's not, they're not advertising it very much that way. So how much of it is really based on truth? I guess we'll never know because I'm, I'm not going to read the book. So all in all, 
did you like this movie more than you thought you would? I liked it more than I thought I would. But Ex- you thought you were going to hate it, so that still doesn't mean much to me Expectations yet. were low. They were really low. To be sure. Um, to be, It's a serviceable thriller. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, same. I think I'm probably sitting around a six. I'm a five. Yeah. It's um, it's fine. I wasn't upset to have spent the time in the cinema, but I'm, never, I'm not going to watch it again. Yeah. And I wouldn't recommend it. I'd say if someone, like, if there's not a ton on and someone's like, oh, I need to go to a movie, should I go watch Red Sparrow? I'd be like, oh, if you want. Don't not see it. Yeah. No, I wouldn't say Just don't, don't not see it. Just don't rush out to see it. Yeah. I think that's fair. Cool. So there you go. A five and a six. So what thing are we going to watch next week, mate? I don't know. What are we watching? Next week, we're going to be watching The Square. Mm, looking forward to The Square. The Palm Door winner at Cannes. Indeed. And it's it's up for foreign picture at the Oscars, too. It so certainly is. So it'll be fun. by the time we get to it, will have happened. Yeah, and I'd also like to give a shout out to our friends Alex and Julio at the Contrarians podcast. These guys are awesome. Their show is great. Um, the kind of uh, principle of their show is that they try and bust popular opinions. So they'll kind of trash talk movies that are widely praised and they'll really praise and talk about why they love movies that are widely trashed. Uh, and it's just great fun. They're both awesome guys. So go check them out. You can find them at wearethecontrarians.com or just by searching, you know, the contrarians on whatever podcatcher you use. All right. So according to us, see Red Sparrow, don't see Red Sparrow. We don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> but if you do see it and you want to tell us about it, then you can find us at wewatchthething at gmail.com or wewatchthething.com and at wewatchthething on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All them socials. All of them. We're on all of them. <laughs> So come find us, come play with us. It's good fun. (laughs) 